tastes like a big meadow, right? And so it, like to personify it, I guess it's like running through a meadow, except you're not a human. You're, you're a little Yorkie, like, like little diesel, which I don't know if y'all can hear him barking in the back of this and the grass is kind of tall, right? So it is all like the nice notes and everything, but the, the grass, it's rubbing your, uh, your stomach and your mahoo Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery, with your hosts, Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Colt Crit, and Ross in RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 14, The Sea Wolf. Gentlemen. What's going on? Good How you see everyone. It's, uh, we, we, we took a little bit of time because of the holiday. We gave ourselves a little bit of time off. So we're recording a little late in comparison with when we normally do, but how was everyone's holiday? It was okay. I worked actually. We worked. Wait, because... Way to take that day off. Well, mm-hmm. so my kids are coming into town. Um, I'm going to get them Saturday. So I, I asked if I could work that holiday and then have off next Friday. So. That's, nice. That's why. So, okay. Yeah. But I mean, we got up late. We just worked a little bit later, but we got up late, went to the gym and worked. And I tried working on the website for nine hours straight and it did not go well. It's uh, it's, it's monotonous. I don't know how people who are web designers do that stuff all day. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much that it was, so I'm doing it through Shopify, right? Okay. And I got these themes and I was trying some different ones out and I found this one that I really liked. It was actually designed for furniture and I got it off of a, a website where you get themes. It wasn't from Shopify, but it was just Shopify theme. Mm-hmm. And other developers make them. Um, and it was really glitchy and I kept thinking it was something I was doing wrong. Maybe I didn't know what I was doing. No, the and problem was you it, were trying to put up erotic furniture. <laughs> and there's so, only so much of a market for that i mean they're lucrative but geez jess but it was like blocks going over other blocks so if you ever use shopify basically that's just things that are in it within a window and like pictures were going off the screen oh it, i just was gonna lose my mind so i basically wasted that whole day but i will say my wife got a lot done she she got a lot more inventory we got some new things they came out with a couple they came out with three new colors in the cabinets before we even released them i actually saw the post that you guys had this week about your websites basically being ready to go and that is massive man first of all kudos to your wife she i mean as you said building websites is not easy so the fact that she's getting everything going that's huge and kudos to you that's yeah. exciting. Congrats, brother. I just have to go through the administration part and get, you know, images in there and get the pages set up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple apps that I have to get that help organize it by the variants. And I always am a fan of mozzarella sticks for my apps. <laughs> I mean, sometimes pretzel bites. Wait, wait. You never know. So let me ask you a question. This is a serious onion. question right now. Marinara or no with the mozzarella sticks? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't like yeah, it. No I, I'd rather have ranch. I don't like the marinara with it. What? I had oh, some. Man. I had some last night, and I didn't. And I and I I that we got in really late, really late, and I had something in the crock pot, but there was going to be all these dishes because it was like a big meal. And she's like, "I don't want to do this." So, well, if you're doing the podcast tomorrow, why don't you just 
why don't we just save it and then we'll just order something. And there's this place up the street, the guys from like New York, I think, or something like that. And they make like pizzas and burgers and um, just all kind of stuff and calzones. And they make the mean app sampler. And it's got like mushrooms and garlic knots and yeah. mozzarella sticks. Oh my God. I just picked out. But the, the problem is, Jess, if you have the mozzarella sticks, you have the salty from obviously the cheese and the sal- the, yeah. the breading. But hold on. If you put the ranch with it, where's the acidity to break things up on the palate? That's where well, the tomato sauce has, comes in. Ranch has vinegar in it sometimes. Ranch has just diabetes, artery clogging. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sugar in ranch. There's no diabetes oh, from that. Man. I don't know. I think... I think so, the other thing too is a lot of times when you get a marinara with your mozzarella sticks, it's not a very yeah. good marinara. That's yeah. fair. So let me ask this: as long as we're talking toppings, what is the preferred sauce for you guys to dip your pizza into, or at least a pizza crust, as you're going to eat your pizza? Oh, mm. I got, I got. I'll actually that. do a mix-up. You know, we'll we'll have uh, you know your melted garlic butter for a Solid primary on the pizza. Yep, and uh, of course it depends what's what's on your pizza too. Cause, it um, does. Yeah, so mix it up a little bit of garlic butter, but then for the the crust, um, do a little bit of jalapeno ranch. Ooh, that's pretty well. Interessante. Yeah. How about you, Jess? Ranch, ranch is good. Um, I don't know. It depends on how disgusting I want to feel with myself. But if you take <laughs> if you take mayo and sriracha, it kind of makes almost like a bang bang sauce. Yeah, but without without the honey, uh, that's pretty stinking good. I am I am buffalo sauce one hundred percent all yeah, the way. Yeah, buffalo's good. Buffalo's good. You get the spicy, you get the acidic. It breaks up the monotony of just the the dough. It's so. Mm, well, so since we're good. not talking about wood, I always ask this question. So there is you're on a desert island, ten years. You're by yourself. You've lived off the land. Yeah. You've been eating nothing, and all of a sudden, a magical time machine person picks you up, and they say, "You know, we're here to rescue you." And to top it off, we're going to give you any meal you want from any time in your life, exactly the same, or just something normal. It doesn't have to be from a past time. What would you ask for? And I'm assuming it wouldn't be seafood because you just ate seafood for 10 years. So True. Colton, what are you going? Mm-hmm. Probably some sort of surf and turf, man. Something with a good ribeye steak and maybe some shrimp. Really simple. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, uh, I am a sandwich fanatic. Like I love sandwiches. They're my favorite food group. You put two pieces of bread around anything, even soup, and it makes it taste better. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have some ridiculous concoction of a sandwich. Probably. I'm probably going to go on the hot sandwich side. Um, like like those hot oil peppers, uh, I mean, yeah, but like we're 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 gonna be venturing if it's been ten years, I'm gonna be venturing on like the Permanti Brothers verge where you're putting like homemade French fries on top of like Italian beef with like melted cheese on there and like jalapenos and that spicy sriracha Jess was talking about, and then the 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 bread would just it would it would literally be texas toast garlic bread that's been mm. seared and yes. then yes oh i mean <clears throat> if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die happy man of that heart attack 
one of the best sandwiches I ever had was a a deep fried. There's this lobster truck that comes around and we were at a brewery. Maybe it was because I was drunk, but (laughs) it was, it was a deep fried lobster sandwich and he had some other things on it, but all I tasted was that lobster and it was on the Texas toast deal, like Mm -hmm. all buttered and, and, Mm -hmm. and toasted. Oh my God. It wasn't big enough. It could have been as big as me and I would have ate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mike, but my go-to meal used to be until very recently until i had something different was something at olive garden they had and anybody could make it but it was um it was this steak gorgonzola pasta so they cooked you a medium rare steak slice it thin lay the slices on there blackened and then they had the gorgonzola and the pasta and then it had a balsamic reduction for the acid like drizzled Ooh. all over the top it was really good but we went to that place that i did the cabinets at doc ford's which is like a seafood restaurant yeah. and they had a paella which i have never had before and it was a seafood paella and i could have ate a five gallon bucket it was one of the most one and they had real scallops in it real chunks of lobster and real we're all going back to seafood here but i I could, it was the most wonderful thing I've ever eaten in my life. It was so good. Hmm. So that. Okay. Um, I think we should probably talk a little bit about what we're doing in the shop. Uh, Otherwise, we'll just take this into an entire food (laughs) journey. And I I have no problem with that, but you know. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Jess, what else is going on in the shop? Like, obviously you guys have been pounding out a bunch of stuff. I saw you got your coffee table up and running. Yeah, um, coffee tables are done for now. Um, so we started on the console. We've had, I have had some serious issues with the help and them not not remembering what we just did five minutes ago. Like it's a whole new thing again. You Are know, we talking I, like Hoosier and the other gentleman who's helping you out? F- fingers, um, Nash and Cheese. He he's um, well. We'll get to that part in a minute. Okay. Mo- mostly fingers. He he just doesn't. He just overcomplicates everything. It's really simple, mm-hmm. and there's a certain process and a certain certain um, way you have to do it, so it turns out a certain way. I'll give you an example. This is, but this is me nitpicking because it didn't really matter either way. So <clears throat> the, the wood comes S3S, right? Yep. The, the, the pieces that the stock that I use for uh, like the, the legs and stuff like that. So when you, when you, I've got a, I've got a sheet with a description of the different parts. They're all labeled by letter. We make a little box that's got that letter on it. So we keep it all. We don't get it mixed up. And, you know, he pulls it off and you just kind of guess about how many you can get out of each board because they're in varying widths, right? Mm-hmm. So I might get two out of this one. So you guess it and then you go over and you cut it to rough length on the chop saw, right? Yeah. Because I haven't jointed it yet. So the edge isn't necessarily straight. So if I cut it square down to the exact length, I've got no room to straighten it out. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. for instance, if the final length is 14 and 5 eighths, I'd cut it, you know, 15 and a half or something. So that way, once I joint that edge, straighten it out, make sure it's nice and perfect. I rip them all to length, then I come back and I nip it and then cut it to length. I got a little stop block set up in the miter saw. Right? Makes sense. Yep. This morning, he came in and he just, 
he's like, okay. And he looked at it after we had this big, long explanation, made sure he knew, he knew, he knew. And he just walked in and he just start cutting them at, at regular, at length, at exact length, which made him too short because then we joined the edge and then they were a little crooked on the ends. And then that, that so it was like, youthy. it was a waste of time. It was a total waste of time. And, like, and material. I, yeah. And I'm like, why, why did you do that? Like, you know, you cut it long. Like, I just don't, I can't hold your hand all the time. Like, you know, that's not what, how you do it. <clears throat> and we had just made, I mean, I have thousands of pieces he's cut up until this point and he knows that. So, you know, he just gives me this blank stare and I said, okay, well, you know, they're, they're pretty good. So we, we straightened out, we just saved some and had to cut some more. And then like, so when we, we had some longer uh, stretchers that were in there and so the stretcher's final length was 55. So he remembered to cut them long. So that was good. He ripped them all down. And so after we rip them, because these are going to be fitting together, we have to plane them. They're 13 sixteenths when you get them. So we needed to plane them to exactly three quarters. So that way, when I make my little, um, it would be, a, it's a type of half lap that we're going to be doing in part of it. Cause the center leg kind of notches in mm-hmm. and, um, you need to plane them so that they're three quarters, not 13 sixteenths. Yep. And so I told him, you know, cut them to rough length, joint the edge, rip them to thing, rip them to the thing, plane them first, and then cut them to final length. And the reason that I want him to plane them first is because sometimes you get a little snipe. So yes. if I'm already going to be cutting a little off the end, if it snipes, hey, I'm already cutting it. So it's no big deal. Right. Yep. Especially with little, little skinny pieces. They tend to want to Skype. Yeah. Snipe. He did it backwards. You know, he cut them all to length and then he went to plane him. And I said, well, it worked out. You know, you didn't get any snipe really, but I literally said it. And he goes, that's exactly the opposite of what you told me. I said, that's not. And I looked and I pointed to the dry erase board. I said, see the instructions in order right there. Exactly what I just said. And he's just like, oh, you know, like he just, he does things like that a lot. And welcome to management. So. (laughs) But bless his heart, he's the sweetest guy, he's the nicest guy, he's there on time every day, he stays as late as you want, and he does whatever you tell him to do. If I told him to go in the attic and sweep it, he would do it. Like he And he'd be like, okay. Like, he he doesn't, no lip, so I'm just trying to work with him, but he just doesn't, he's not me, and I don't expect him to be me. And I've got another I, part of that I'm going to get to in a second. So but, my, my, my quick advice to you would be, instead of saying cut these to rough length and cut this to that. And then, you know, they're going to end up at this length. Tell him like step one, cut all these pieces to right. fi- 15 inches. Right. And then step right. two, specifics. Joint them. Yeah. Specifics. That is make so it, funny. Make it idiot proof. It's so funny that you say that. Okay. So we'll get to that part in a second. Okay. So, um, the kid that was helping, I talked to the boss and, um, we're not going to be able to hire him on. He's only going to be there for another month anyway, as a permanent, as like a paid employee. Yeah. So I messaged him and I said, listen, I, I'm sorry, but we just can't hire you on as a, as an employee right now. Um, if we hire anybody, it's going to be somebody with a lot of experience that's going to work full time, you know? Yeah. And that's fair. And, and they, and they said, okay. He's like, well, I still want the work experience. And then his mom texts me. He's like, he's got to get out of the house because he can't sit and play video games all summer. So I'm like, I'm not, she's, I was like, I just want you to know, I'm not taking advantage of him. I just want you to know, like, I, she's like, well, as long as he's not in the way, I was like, no, no, he's not in the way. He takes out the trash. He cleans up. He yeah. does this. If we got sand to do, he does that. It's fine. 
So, so he came in just one day this week, and he's just going to come in two days a week uh, sure. until summer's over, Monday and Tuesday. Great. So in the meantime, we've hired somebody to work at that maintenance place because uh, Ashley's dad retired, retired. Yep. And um, he's doing great. Evidently, I haven't heard anything, so no news is good news. Mm-hmm. And he had a son who has been at his side ever since he was 12 years old. The kid, as I found out, has been putting in wells at 12 years old. He's been working. So he's just one of those. I don't know if that's legal, but sure. <laughs> it, it wasn't. <laughs> oh. And so he is uh, one of those kids. He's just a little kid, but he's strong, and he knows a little bit about everything. And, like, you give him something and you show him, he's got it. And I knew he would be just by meeting his dad. And so I begged, I said, I got, you know, I got the, the, the employee, the uh, stores are wanting things by a certain time. Their show's coming up. Plus I'm trying to get the website done. I need somebody else. That's legit. We just got to get somebody. And so he said he'd have to think about it. Then he came in and then he saw what was going on in the shop. He's like, okay, I get it. Let's do it. So I, the, the kids started on Monday and <clears throat> I spent most of the day just talking to him, but today I just let him go and showed him a couple things. And it's just like, you show him for like a second. He's like, okay, I get it. Boom. Running things to the router table, cut stuff with a table saw. He's got attention for detail. It's like, oh my God. And so Dave with him now working there, fingers sees him working. And like, I'm having him do things that I never let Dave do. And not because I didn't let Dave do it. It's just, it was just me and him. So the, I did certain things. I'm teaching this kid how to do it. And Dave like busted it and he busted it. And like all the parts were cut for all tables today, every single one. <laughs> and some of the de- and some of the details were done and all the ends are dominoed and they were saying the tops. Like I was like, this is great. This is great. Internal competition, Dave. man. It was great. And I really felt like we accomplished a lot today uh, and everything. So, I'm hoping going forward, uh, I delivered a couple tape the coffee tables um, today. I did find out though that one of the shows is Monday, and I didn't know that. I thought it was a few days later. I don't know if they moved it up or whatever. So I'm going to have to finish a console by Friday, Monday morning. You know, have it like finished. Mm-hmm. So I think that I can do it, but they're pretty big. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure that I can get it, get it done. Um, so back to your point about, uh, writing it down. Yeah. So w- we were driving home after that day and I had just talked and I had, I had decided that I was going to take each part and I was going to like go over it again. And then, um, we had had a bad day, I think. And I said, we were driving home and I told Ashley and I said, you know, if, if I know a lot about furniture, but if you gave me an Ikea piece of furniture or whatever, some, one of them ones you put together, right? That's like mm-hmm. super complicated when you open the box. Yeah. And even if the parts were already there and you showed me a picture and say, okay, put it together. I'd have a really, really hard time. And I probably wouldn't remember the next time that I did it or the third time that I did it. Right Mm -hmm. now, take that to the next level and say, here's this, make that. 
and all it's got is some dimensions on it. There's more to it than those dimensions, right? So I thought about that, and I thought maybe I'm putting him in a really bad place, and he needs that specificity of each step, and hopefully after he does it and sees it enough times, it'll help. So I, I started with what you said already, and I said, all right, number one, do this. Pull this down and cut it to this length. Not yep. like a rough length, this length. Mm-hmm. Cut this to this length. Cut this to this length. Then plane. Then do this. Then do that. And some of it's pretty. So I'm filling up a page and flipping the page over and, and going. I was like, you know what? This is kind of complicated, right? Yeah. And and it's just one little stick. Yeah. But but it's got you know it's got a place for 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 instance the center rail right. It has uh, crescents that I cut at the top so that it kind of hides it as it goes up into this like a half. Yeah. A half moon or whatever in there, half radius. It's got dominoes in it uh, on either end at a certain height so that it lines up with the stretcher that it's going into at a certain height. Yep. It has, so you have to know how to set up the jig that I made so that you can do that, which side to put down, how to mark which side so that you don't screw up which side's what because the domino is not exactly center. And mm-hmm. on and on. Oh, and then there's slots. There's slots in it with the biscuit joiner to, for table clips to hold the top down. Yeah. And that's all just one piece. And and so I'm like, man, there is a lot to this. And so Ashley ordered me a bunch of plus we're gonna be making this furniture again in different woods, right? Yeah. So Ashley ordered me some binders, uh, yep. some three ring one inch binders. We're gonna get the vinyl cup, you know, sleeves. Yeah. And I'm gonna make here's the drawing, right? And then here's step one, cut the wood up this, da, 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 da. This is where we're going to aim. And then there'll be some little notes step and, you know, and this is yeah. part a yeah. part B you do this, 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 this. You're basically so, making like Ikea instructions. Correct. Yeah. And I draw the part. Mm. That's the other thing. I draw the part as 3d as my crappy mm. drawing can do and write all the dimensions on it and stuff. I, I know what you're about to say. What if am I about ske- to say? Something about SketchUp. <laughs> no, see, I was about to ask if, uh, well, I mean, that would make it easier. I was about to ask if there are meatballs involved because that would make me want to work that much harder if if you supplied meatballs while I was working. I feed those people as much as I possibly can. I made them chili with, with baked potato the other day. I, I feed those guys all the time. Did uh, you just run to Wendy's and get them like, no, I had, I had I had cooked a pork loin, so I made some chili with the pork loin, and then mm. I had baked potatoes, and then I made the baked potato, and then put it in the bottom and covered it with chili. Mm. I, br- I bring them good food all the time. Man, uh, I, I meant to grab one of those apples that uh, what finger brings those right? Yeah, fingers brings the yeah. apples. Yeah. I, I meant to grab one from his tree when I was leaving, but I forgot. I forgot um, but so I think, but I'm always like in this anxiety of trying to get things done and then not stopping to take that first step to like, if you just, if you just would have, there's a little thing in my head saying, just, if you just stop, like take a day and write all this stuff out, think about it. Plus it also helps me find mistakes. If mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, this measurement's wrong. Cause this is going to be this. And Oh yeah. So yeah. then I have a chance to adjust it for it's even cut. Um, and just take the time to write that all out. Or in this case, I might write it out and have Ashley type it because it's hard to write and get it to all fit and be legible. You know what I mean? So I might have Ashley type it and then I'll just make a drawing of the part 
um, and then eventually have a computer-aided drawing. SketchUp but, would help you out quite a bit right there. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, but there I have is. to learn SketchUp, and I don't have time to learn SketchUp right now. I will coming up, and mm-hmm. that is definitely – I've already talked to the owner about that, and he said absolutely because if we're going to get to the point where we do custom-make things, the high-end clientele that we're going to be going to, you're going to have to have that. You can't just sketch something out on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, and I said, we have all the equipment to do it. I just – I just don't have time to learn it right now. And I want to do a good job learning it. So I have a certain way that I learn things and I have to have time and no pressure and then I'll do it. So the drawing on the piece of paper works fine. The drawing on the piece of paper works fine. We can type up the instructions and then I'll have an, and I won't remember by the time I get back to it either. Right. I mean, I might, I'm pretty good about that, but I might not. And then I'll have a book for each piece of furniture at that dimension. And if I make it in another dimension, it's just a matter of going into that page that she typed and changing the dimension by whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then I can make a whole new book with the new other dimension and so on and so forth. So that did evolve this week, trying to help him. Um, It helped me. And I, and you never know what's going to happen, right? You never know what's going to happen. He could get hurt or he could decide to retire or move back to Indiana. Same thing with the kids. So you've always got this turnover in a shop that can mm-hmm. happen. You better be prepared to teach somebody quickly the next life time. It's like a box of chocolates. It definitely is. You never know what you're going to get. It definitely <laughs> is. So, yeah, Jess, I've, yeah. I've been working on doing the exact same thing with the cornhole boards because uh, especially in the finishing steps, there's a lot of little steps. And uh, there's sp- specific jigs for each step. And Irish or yeah, I, I, so I, right now I'm just writing it down as I go. I'm like so every time I, yeah, change steps, or whatever, I'll, I'll go write it down real quick, and I write the time down too. I'm still trying to pin down the time it takes to take the uh, make the, all these boards. But yeah, I'm working on the exact same thing. Yeah. By the way, just just side note, um, did you have you guys watched that? the videos with my fresh trim bit that I have in there. I have. And they I've look seen, awesome. Seen you guys must buy that flush trim bit. Do not buy any other flush trim bit except that flush trim bit. They make that it. That one had the bearings on the top and bottom, right? Top and bottom. And, they, and they, they, no, they sell it in a two pack though. So you get one that's like uh, an inch and three quarters tall and you get one that's like two and a half tall. And for those that haven't seen your video, Jess, who makes it? I have no idea. Some Japanese company. I can't pronounce the name, but great ad uh, plug. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw it on Amazon and there was guys that put reviews and they're like, look at this. And they got like one inch plywood and a jig. And he's like, and he just, it eats it. It eats it alive. So it's not singular blades. It's like, it's kind of like what your carbide cutter on your, on a spiral planer or a spiral joiner or whatever. Helical, yeah, with the but this is just built into it, mm. and there's just a bunch of little tips, and they're kind of they kind of spiral around it, and it just it, it just blows right through everything, no problem, no burning. The bearings are great, uh, and it's a half inch shaft, so I can you know I I'm not really worried about um, pushing on it you know pretty hard or whatever because I'm using the bearings. It's it's really great. It's like 120 so bucks for two, and it's, it's a half inch shaft. That plays just the tip and everybody loves it. That's correct. <laughs> and it spins and gets awesome. real hot. There you go. Yes. Yes. That's yes. About that motion in the ocean, baby. You, you guys have got to. Brought us back to Seawolf. Yeah. All right. 
Full circle. Hey, uh, it's not spatool, is it? I don't know if I'm saying that right. You know what? I'll look it up. I'll look it up while we're talking. No, it isn't, but I did I did look at your spade tool stuff. They do have some good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I actually tried to buy direct from the manufacturer. I figured it'd be better, but I think they shipped it directly from the, the from the their manufacturer facility in China. It took a lot longer. And so I'm just gonna buy it off Amazon now. I usually but, uh, get I usually get my spade tools from the vet. Uh-huh. Bob Walker's been telling me to do that for years. So I eventually just bought my own tools. There so, you go. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 by maybe not recommended, ni, but you can do it. Ni ni foi ni four n e e f o i r flush trimming router bit set router bit set uh, top and bottom bearing two pieces one it was one seventy it was I think it was on sale when I got it but hmm. um and it is it looks exactly like that and it is freaking fantastic because. I don't have to have two bits. I can just if but I because I'm a two pack. Yeah, well, some well, if I had something that was taller, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. I have something that has a bottom template, but like those radius templates, those are top templates, right? I don't have to change the bit. I can get it all ready, put the bit in, and just raise and lower it, and just run my stuff through. It's super great, super great. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Colton, what's going on in your shop, man? Man, there's a, a lot going on. Um, I guess what? right off the bat, we had two pretty good mess ups. But um, awesome. so spilling mica powder is such a pain in the ass. Oh, boy. Like, it, you know, it was also the one I spilled was like cherry red. Oh, right. God. So it just it, it got on my boots. It, it It is so hard to get off of everything. And I spilled like 50 grams of it, which luckily I was able to save most of it actually still in the thing but the yeah so we got fine red powder i've never done drugs is 50 grams a lot uh it's a decent amount okay it's like a like a teaspoon no no it's like it's like a cup oh oh that's that's a a good amount yeah so let's i want to know how you spilled it um wait the thing tipped over uh, other than the obvious this was my next no i uh i just i left it open um right after a resin pour and somehow I got left it near the edge of the table and after do, finishing the pour, somehow knocked it off table. So, uh, yeah, rule of thumb now is right Close after, it. like, doesn't matter how bad my hands are. I'm going to put that cat back on, yeah. on, on the micro powder. But then, um, I also was, uh, experimenting with some faster ways to, or I found out about like, um, that I could save more of like my X, Y, Z, like coordinates on the uh, on my CNC, right? Mm-hmm. And but I totally forgot that. Well, it, it just it skipped on my mind. I was going too fast. That whenever you change bits, you, you have to rehome your your Z axis. You can keep your X Y, but but yeah. And so I drug a good line all the way across. Well, it was luckily it was in the corner, and um, it was a quarter inch bit down cut, so it wasn't going to break the bit. But yeah, I drug a line through a cornhole board and Ooh. luckily I was able to patch it. Like, uh, it took me a while, but with it being on the corner, I just, I cut another strip of that, uh, birch plywood and that like it would fit right in there. And with a combination of wood glue and CA glue, we're able to get it back. By the way, Colton, 
I was listening back to some prior episodes and you were telling us, um, it was the one with our wives. You were telling us that mm. the cornhole board regulation size is two foot by four foot. But then yep. in that, I think the next episode, you told us that you're buying sheets of plywood that are five by five. Correct. Why would you not buy standard sheets of four by eight plywood? Because you can't get two with a CNC. So, um, well, so hold there's on, two facts. Hold, hold, hold on. Let me ask the question. <laughs> why, would, why would you not buy standard size four by eight plywood and rip mm-hmm. it vertically right in half and then rip it horizontally in half so that you have four two foot by four foot sections? It's an excellent question. And we did go down that road. Uh, two things. One, um, from the mill that we're getting this uh, Russian birch plywood from, their four by eight sheets are four B. Whereas the the five by five sheets are three uh, B, right? And so just better quality on the five by fives. But I was trying to save money with that. Um, it wasn't oversized on the the four by eight sheets, right? So they're exactly four foot by eight foot. And don't you put yeah, edge so, trim on it anyway, though? No. You have exposed plywood on the edges. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Never mind then. Yeah. Well. Um, well I- so it, it uh, so really we only got three tops out of a four by eight sheet, and well, I mean it is I, I know regulation is four foot by eight foot, but one sixteenth is a customer going to notice a sixteenth of an inch difference? I could, but I'm I'm not trying to skimp on these. I'm trying to get it to where we can. Uh, apparently, I think it might be a thing where you can go get your board certified by oh. uh, the ACL okay. or whatever. But you could add trim though. But that adds a step, and then the cost and time and what have you. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, I, I haven't I haven't thought about adding the trim on the side, but it it's also a worse quality plywood. Um, well, that's in, that's in the, important. In the sheet. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't but, you try um, to find it in a different place? Yeah, I mean, you just get I, I've looked all over. Stuff. This is the best place so far. I, I I didn't know it was even sold in a four by eight sheet. I was scouring. He's this was probably six months ago. And I was scouring Houston trying to find a four by eight sheet of this birch plywood. And finally I talked to a delivery guy for one of the mills and he told me that he had delivered some for Mason's mill, which is where I go now. And so I tried that out for a while, but it really wasn't saving anything. And, um, also on the, uh, on the four foot tall, I actually go over like a 16th of an inch on both sides. And, that allows me to put it on the frame guys. I make, I make the frames true, right? Those are, yeah. I have a good jig for that. And so that's true. And so I, then I flush trim it to the trim or to the frame and yeah, it, it allows with for better alignment and stuff. I don't have to super worry about the alignment, especially with the CNC as well, mm. or if it, um, until it's installed, if there's a, an edge busted or anything, it, uh, makes it nice. Right. Yeah. Right. Still flush trim it. So that's where I with that. I, man, so I, I see most cornhole boards are so simple, so much simpler to make, right? Like they'll, they'll make the frame underneath like undersized a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so there's not all of this side, like of the sidewall, making it perfect to the top. And it cuts out all these finishing steps. And I'd really, I've, I've been thinking about it hard of just like easier ways to make these boards so we can crank out more per week and get caught up and man, it, yeah, it, it's, it's hard, but I think 
Well, it's also hard because my the customer, which yeah, the customers have already seen it this way, right? And they have a video and like pictures of the board that they bought. So I can't just change it up on our current orders we have out. But, could, but yeah, I'm thinking about all the time. If y'all see any good ideas or even uh, a listener, man, that makes cornhole boards or sees a cool way to make them, I am all ears. I love could, to see every possible way we can make these. I mean, isn't there a way that you could literally on each side make it like an eighth too small or like a quarter inch? like undersized so that you could just pound out the frames and have 30 frames sitting off to the side. You know, you, cause when things are slow, you just make a bunch of frames and then the only thing you have to do is make the tops and just yeah. pound yeah, so, it um, Yeah. So I actually have about nine frames or I guess nine sets worth of frames. No less than that. Sorry. About nine frame or about 10 frames. So it's like five sets of board frames ready to go. Okay. Um, and yeah, so yeah, trying to do the um, batching out a lot more now. So okay. yeah, yeah, I, I have a bunch of frames ready to go, and it's just getting the tops ready, and then getting them installed. Um, I, I know it's it's about four to five hours um, once the top is ready to get put on. Of finish work, everything from the from the poly finishing to the actual installation and everything. Because what so, you could do as well, if you're doing the five by five sheet, if you're only getting two pieces out of that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you basically have the frames pre-done, oversize the plywood by, you know, uh, a sixteenth of an inch around each side, or an eighth of an inch, and then just come with a flush trim bit and flush it up, and then you don't need to worry about making sure everything is true. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay. Well, then never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, so there's like a one foot cutoff on each side, right? Yeah. Uh, for those cutoffs, we use those for like to put the lights around the hole. There's like a hole backer. Yeah. Right. And so we're using that for that. And then also the frame system around the, like the shelf system that's holding the LEDs inside mm-hmm. though. We're, we're cutting those out of that same plywood. Okay. Yeah. So is your yeah, CNC running every piece of the Buffalo? Are you running your CNC basically like, whenever you're not like whenever you're in the shop is your CNC running. So like you could have it making like your score counter that you have. Um, that's yeah. I mean, oh, I made, a, a, I made a cool jig for that too. Um, but like, do you even need a jig? Do you just not put that on the CNC and hit go? Like it's a laser, I think for the score. Well, so I actually changed it up. I started doing the, the actual numbers with a V bit. And um, whenever the stain goes in there and hits that end grain, it uh, it soaks in a lot. And I think it looks a lot better, like uh, especially with the we're using pine for the frames right now. Yeah. If it hits like a real oily patch or whatever, sappy patch, like the laser has a hard time burning all the way through, mm-hmm. which I, that's a side note. I really want to sell my current laser and get upgrade it. But I'd love to get like a 100, 150 watt laser. So, yeah, anyone wants an old X car with a JTEC? 8.5 watt laser on it wants a trade let's do it but um but yeah so but we we make our frames out of a one by four piece of pine right yep and so that was the way i was doing it before was i would just put one at a time and it'd be about 10 minutes and then I have to switch them out all the time right and that's a lot of attention and resetting up the cnc and everything and so i built a little jig that holds five deep it might be six and it has a uh, just like clamps on the side, yeah. 
And so I can just throw them all in, clamp it, and then hit go on the CNC. And it goes for the full hour and a half or whatever. It gets them all done. Perfect. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's it, going good. Um, it took me a little too long to build that. Or just an afternoon, I guess. Yeah, but at the same but, token, it, you spent the one afternoon and now you're you're pounding out five at a time. So like, exactly, it yep. paid for itself the first time you ran the damn thing. Yeah, well, if I if I let myself go, I'll I'll be making jigs all day <laughs> for everything. Which uh, so yeah, it is a balance. We um, which I do have, you know, I'll, I'll make one or two a week maybe for like something. I'm like, oh, I know I could make this better. Yeah, and you throw something in, but yeah, they've added up, and so now we got a ton of jigs everywhere and kind of helping out one thing at a time but yeah so i i did to be i guess kind of raw and like i got maybe vulnerable with our listeners and you guys so i really messed up like um, over the last month so we were trying to get all these orders out right we're still behind on our first round but i was running out of money right (laughs) i mean for even like materials and everything and so i did a second round of sales and I should have not done that because now, which I, I, I tried to give them a long lead time when, whenever we did it. Um, and then on the website, uh, it gave like an estimate on lead time, but it's like, if you have a specific date, please, uh, email us ahead of time. And most people do email ahead of time, you know, on a big purchase like that. But yeah, I, I guess I didn't put enough time on it and we're still behind. And so now I'm in the dilemma of, like some of these new round of sales are going to have to go before the old ones. And cause there's another thing I forgot about as well is that, you know, every time I do a big round of sales, it, I get, um, you have like your first round Karens or people who don't understand, aren't understanding they're like, I need it now, or I'm going to ask for a refund. And so that's been difficult. I, I should have found a different way to, fund the business than to do another round of sales, which and I keep thinking about like, maybe I could do something small. Like, um, are you having everybody well, pay full amount up front? Uh, most everybody. Yeah. There's, there's a few exceptions, but everyone pays up front. I was trying to set up through Shopify a way to do like a half up front or maybe just the material cost up front. And then yeah. once, but I could not find an app or any way to automate that. So I do and that I do via mainly, I do it via Square and Square lets me take that option. I don't know if you can integrate Square's system oh, into okay, that. Yeah, look into that. Um, but yeah, I I do that for every project of mine. It's a fifty percent deposit, and that covers the materials and a little bit of my time, and the rest of it is due upon delivery. Clo- yeah. Clover, I used to have Clover. Clover does that too. So. You can get Clover Go for nothing through your bank. Usually, if you have a business account, it's like three dollars a month or something. Their charge is low, and then you can just when they buy what they buy online, you just send them over an invoice on Clover for half the amount, and they pay that. And when it's done, then you send them an invoice for the other. You just do that part yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. So I have that. I'm doing that with at least one customer, um, but it is manual at that point, and. Um, I had to send them like a special invoice originally, but yeah, that's, what, like, that's so not the manual problem... on square. So, you know, you, yeah. you set up okay, the uh, invoice I, and, and you're set. I appreciate it. I, I need to look into that. Uh, even if it was, I had to pay some, something a month, that'd be worth it to have that yeah. feature. 
but uh, the, I get, yeah. So the problem, I did find an app that would technically work like that with Shopify. However, the credit card approval only lasts, like, I think it was less than 30 days. And Which these boards are longer lead time yeah. than that. And so it was an issue with the, um, the approval. So what, but, out of curiosity, if somebody sends an order today and you had, let's say you had absolutely no other boards, you are finally clear of everything else. What is the start to finish lead time? If it is, let's say an A&M board, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. you know, the exact timing on that one. How long would it take you to build it from start to finish, finished product out the door, dropped off a of UPS? Sure. So I could get it carved in uh, the resin poured like, like in maybe three hours. And then you got about at least 12 hours uh, for the resin to cure. Depends on temperature and everything. Then the next day, oh, I, I could do it. Th- I could finish it out the next day. And maybe two days, depending on... Uh, doing the uh the polyurethane so now that's about three that's, days so that's two to because three time. you already had pre-done frames right yeah even with the frame the frames don't take that long to assemble as well okay so do you um, just have well, like parts of frames cut. yeah I, I do have a stack of parts for the frames and then like all the shelving stuff i have that in their, like their own cubbies yeah and um yeah i mean i can assemble two frames in maybe 40 minutes if uh, whenever everything's cut and if it's not, then it'd be a few extra cuts. So is the, but, the, the backup on some of these more just the, the curing time and the carving time because they're different yeah, designs the curing, uh, when you have multiple the, colors and what have you, it does, that it does kick, kick butt. And also it, it takes a lot, a lot of space, right? Mm-hmm. So I have like a four by eight uh, table I made. And then I put uh, some extruded aluminum uh, like framing on it. And then like I leveled it and then sealed it to where it can't move. And so now the frames are always level when I do that, but I can only, that's only pouring two sets of tops at a time. And yeah. So if in a fully efficient option, like I might could like start each day with like carving and pouring two sets of boards and then finish today with finishing the, the two sets from the day before. And but you can't sand in the shop when you have wet epoxy. Well, it, it, uh, not exactly. It only takes, oh, it, it's pretty firmed up in about an hour. And it's like not going to sink epoxy in I'm there. Using. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then also we are planing off the top of all of right. it. And it so if sink. some dust got on top, that, that hasn't been a huge factor for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's been interesting. What you need is some free help. What you need? Oh, dude, that's funny you say that. So my neighbor, my other neighbor, uh, Israel, uh, he's the other side of the street. He is actually starting to come help me now. Like, um, what was it? Two days ago, he came and just like watched uh, an assembly and uh, didn't touch anything, just like watched it. And wow, we've been trying to get him back in, but he was looking for a hobby. And yeah, so so he, he he's supposed to come start working with me. Okay. Yeah. All right. But also to... on this this plywood shortage, I haven't seen it like yet. I've never like, seen um, it. I have. I was I was talking to uh, Mason's Mill, which I haven't seen the product yet. So maybe it was just like the receptionist or whoever's on the phone inside sales that was confused on it. But she was saying she hasn't heard anything about a shortage, and they have it. And uh, it was, yeah, it was 
down a few bucks, like 63 bucks a sheet. It uh, that my rep came the other day and we were talking about some of the things and he goes, Jess, he's like, plywood prices are plummeting. He's like, they are going down so fast. And which brings me to, you've got to get your hands on some dragon ply. There's a rugby in your area. It's not that far. And that stuff's got the thickest. It's A grade, super good stuff. It's got super thick veneer. And it's four and three quarters by uh, uh, eight and three quarters or and a half. Or, no, it's three quarters extra. Oh, that would be amazing. You could just, you get, yeah. And it was $75 a sheet is what I paid for it. And now that's it's less. Four, that's four by eight? That's four by eight. And it's a full three quarter. So you it's, could actually just run that on the table saw. So. You correct. You could just cut it right in half and at twenty four and like a quarter or something, and you'd have what you wanted. But oh, that'd be great. I talked to you about it before, but you just kind of yeah. Oh no, I, I, I looked it up. There was something. Oh, I wasn't sure about the veneer on it or something. But the veneer is I, really I, I good. It well, that. it's specifically made for, uh, or I should say, used a lot by people that have CNCs because it doesn't tear out. Oh, that's good. It's very thick. It's very heavy. It's about twice as heavy as a normal sheet of plywood. I don't know what tech they put in it, but his skepticism yeah, was actually more along the lines of like he has a a real issue with mythical creatures, and so <laughs> dragonfly just it wasn't going to do it for him. They make a lot of different stuff, as it turns out, if you go to their website. But uh, all you need is the three quarter. Somebody's got to be a dealer around you for it. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's not that much more expensive. It's I thought. Just I think I did remember seeing something about that on. Um, you know what? I think last time I looked at it, I just stocked up on the birch plywood, gotcha. and so I, I haven't repurchased. Mm-hmm. I already stocked up, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check it out. We'll see. Dragon ply. There's got to be somebody near you. Yeah. Oh, and then the pine tops we had talked about, mm-hmm. uh, like the project panels. Those are out. I'm not doing another. They take a lot of extra time, and it wasn't worth it. And more likely to work too. Yeah. Oh, I got a question for you guys. So I was looking at gluing it up myself and doing poplar and no, no poplar. Something flat. If you want something flat and straight, don't glue wood together. Just don't just use plywood. It plywood's just fine. I would edge. It's just, it, it it adds a lot of time trying not to burn through the veneer and stuff. I'm just trying to find a better way. Well, I mean, if you were going to do it, I would use a hardwood. I wouldn't use a soft, softer wood like poplar. Maybe, but your shop's not air conditioned. Like you're, I, I, listen, I've glued so much wood together in my life, and that's not super big. But like even these little things I'm gluing together right now that are are walnut and they're inch and a half thick. After I get done, it's like, uh, that was straight when I glued it together, and it's already kind of like doing something to me. The other even thing, after going through the drum sander and everything. Yeah, I, I guess planer. it's the warping. Yeah, it just it just changes because also I just planed it, so you'd have to like partially plane everything, let it all sit for like weeks, and then it's in your shop, right? So you're letting it like settle, and then you're going to send it to somebody that's going to put it someplace else, and then it's going to move. The plywood's your best bet. And on top of I, it, I was you'd have to invest in so many clamps to be able to glue up multiple tops yeah, at the same yes, time. You yes. would literally, for something the size you're doing, need at minimum five clamps um per bo- per setup minimum yeah, yeah. i would say i was seven. looking at i've seen a video of it um a guy so like running like along his ceiling i, I know pipe, which one you're right? talking about and, yeah uh, then he had like the pipe clamps coming from it 
And I was looking at doing something like that if I did that. I will say Bessie clamps are on sale on Amazon right now. I got them for thirteen dollars and fifty cents a piece for this what? for the three quarter uh, pipe clamps. Oh, that's clamps. a nugget. Yeah, yeah, they're on sale right now. So if you spend a hundred bucks, you get ten percent off, and they're fifteen dollars. So you get them for like thirteen fifty if you buy a hundred bucks worth, which is only like four or five of them. So I bought, I bought twenty the other day. And then I bought some from another place that's local and I got a deal, but they were like 18 or $19. Then you got to buy the pipe. Pipe's like 35 bucks. You get two five footers out of it. But um, yeah, I've always used the Bessie ones. A little nugget. If we're doing nuggets now, they come with a little plastic things on them and the plastic things are fine, but they always come off. Put a little dot of super glue when you first get them and glue that plastic thing on. So it stays on. Somebody so pipe clamp? Yeah, because that metal oh, cast iron, oh, so it doesn't exactly damage the wood so bad when you. It still damages the. Yeah, the, ah. it still damages the wood a little bit with the plastic, but not as bad. It's a good nugget. I like That's it. Good to know. As I think about all my pipe clamps missing those pieces of like yes. silicone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they all miss yeah. them. They all, yeah. they all well, especially my, my speed clamps. I use a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking they just they just come off. I don't know why when they make them at the factory. Like my DeWalt clamps, it's a shroud. It goes, it's a rubber thing that goes all the way around it, so yeah. it can't slide off. And then they just couldn't think of a way to make it just kind of clip on there or something. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. 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 I know at, uh, at Lowe's, just after the holidays, they had a clearance sale on a bunch of uh, Pony Jorgensen clamps. Yeah, those are nice. And they're yeah, really nice. Super, so Yeah, they're very, very nice. Nice as you can get. Yeah. yeah. So... Check out some of the big box stores. Sometimes they got some steals and deals. Come on down. Yeah. So, all right. Now you guys have had your, you know, your sad oh, moments. Let's, let's, let's hear about, <laughs> yeah. let's hear about the real woodworker here. What, let, I yeah, saw your table. I saw your, your 700 pound table. Dude. Desk. This desk looks <laughs> freaking awesome. <laughs> I am, good. I am not normally one to uh, to toot my own horn, but I am really, really pleased with how it came out. Uh, all the extra time that I took doing the uh, the the planing uh, or the pairing jigs and the sawing jigs and everything that I made paid off tenfold when everything came together. Um, the only thing that was a little bit difficult was getting the joints like inside, like putting them together for a dry fit and then getting them apart. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I made one mistake when I was doing that. I had gotten all the joints together for my initial dry fit. It looked awesome. And I was like, great. Now it's time to glue it up. So I, I took one side about halfway out and I was like, wait a second. I don't need to take this thing all the way out. All I have to do is put some glue into these partially open joints and then uh-huh. glue it all back, uh, put it all back together, and okay. uh, and then it'll it'll be fine. So okay. I put it, I put all the glue in there, put it all back together. It was a total mess. Glue was everywhere, and then by the time I got it uh, up like upright, I realized that I hadn't chamfered the top of each of those uh, tenons I, coming through. And I asked through. you about that. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. So the ones I did it on the first side, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to figure that out. So I, on the other side, I did take it completely apart. I chamfered everything. It took me 30 seconds to do it. Right. Um, and then it went together like a dream. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up, 
I started using a chisel to try and like chamfer the edges of the side that I had messed up. And I was like, man, this isn't really working. And I was like, why don't I just use the shoulder plane? It literally does everything I, I need. That. I yeah, said that did. last week. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't think about it at the time. Uh, it was exactly what I needed. And once again, took me like yeah, 30 seconds and I was how done. Most people do it. Yeah. Yeah. So got that dialed in, um, had to do a little bit of wood filler on some of the joints, but it actually looked really nice tied in with oh, it. That's that some big old joints. So yeah. my question is who cares what you think? What does your wife think? She loves it. Uh, she I does. actually, I finished it all today. I had thrown some walrus oil on it yesterday. Uh, I threw some lacquer on it this morning. I had sanded it up to 600 grit on the tabletop and 300 mm-hmm. on the rest. Uh, 320. Yeah. The top wow. was like paper. It was literally like, it felt like computer printing paper. Like, unbelievable. Well, you wouldn't have been able to get finished to stick to that anyway. So, yeah, you used the oil. That's cool. Yeah. So, it was cool. it was incredible. Um, tons of character. And <laughs> once again, I almost broke my own rule. I went to put it into the slot where it was going in our office. And I knew the wall it was going up against because I had made it. It was perfectly plumb on the bookcase and I had measured at the floor for the wall, Mm -hmm. but apparently I didn't measure the wall all the way up and the wall was not even. (laughs) No. Oh no. And I was was like, so you're changing the wall out now. (laughs) So we're putting an addition on. (laughs) uh, It was literally like an eighth of an inch too big. And I was like, Nope, not happening. And I, I angled the thing in and just, forced it like i went full on like brian so, urlacher and so jammed this thing in, in. now it's, it's built, a built in, in. yeah <laughs> um but i got it all uh, it's it's in it looks incredible i am super proud of how it came out uh i do have to say though um my buddy chris from uncle bones workshop actually came out uh right before i was going to put on the finish and he was like dude this looks incredible where's the logo and i was like what do you mean where's the logo He's like, what you need is to take this to a CNC and have somebody put your logo on like a huge CNC, like yeah. in the top and then black yeah. epoxy so that it's set yeah. in this table. That would be like, pretty neat. Damn it. That would look really good. Like, <laughs> I don't have time for that, but that would look amazing. And now so, you can't do it. I, so I have an idea on that. Um, if you wanted to remove a piece from you talking about like on the bottom or on top? On the top, on the like top. the desktop. Oh, okay, on the big, top. Big, I was going to say, for the bottom, if you wanted to do that, you could uh, cut out like a little piece, like do it on a piece and then yeah. edit, inlay that. But you wouldn't want to do it on the top, mess the grain up and all that. Uh, you, what I could do, and what I'm probably going to have to do if I want to do this, is borrow a Shaper Origin. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Are those good with like writing and everything? Yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah, really? yeah, it'll take a while, but yeah, the hard part would be... I would have to put it onto the tabletop and epoxy it, or at least put some like black stain in there and then like refinish the top. Uh, so that'll be interesting how I would do that. But either way, cause I can't put it through a planer. I have exposed joinery coming out the top taller than the tabletop and it's glued up and it's now a built in. So it's, it's probably it's not, not going to happen, out. but now, well, you could, you could um, stencil it. You yes. could do something along those lines. I could. And then just clear coat over it. That wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. So um, that was an option. But uh, it was it was a great idea at the wrong time. 
So yeah. Well, yeah. if you're looking to la- do it with laser, there's a bunch of uh, like mobile lasers. Oh, um, you could do that. Yeah. Like where it'll like sit on top of the thing, like a shaper. Yeah. Does somebody bring in the freaking sharks with freaking lasers? <laughs> <laughs> laser uh, beams. You, you, you'd probably want to find somebody. Dude, if you but, find uh, sharks with laser beams that do CNC work, I would. <laughs> I will come over. I will fly to Chicago to watch yeah. that. Well, uh, the guy I used to work with, uh, Tony, he had a cool or his laser was like um it's probably 30 inches bed maybe a little smaller than that but it didn't it was it was was not attached to a frame it's like a bench top thing mm. and so you could move that um or there was the one where i sent you a picture of it it was like 800 bucks it um has like the orange cone and you just set it on on your project yeah yeah interesting huh. so yeah that was uh that was that was my claim to fame this week, and I'm real freaking proud of it. So um, now I'm on to yeah. uh, a built-in, well, not a built-in. It is an outdoor kitchen I'm building for a customer that I built some custom shelving and, and a few other things for, and I'm the only woodworker he knows. And so he was like, I want this outdoor kitchen. You can do that, right? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's framing and then trim, so not too difficult, but... Um, initially he was going to have these stonemasons knock down the existing outdoor kitchen that he already had because he wants a bigger one, two and a half feet over. It's uh, yeah, ridiculous. I know, but they went to knock down the existing one and they were like, Oh, this one wall, we can save it. O- okay. He's like, but that doesn't line up with anything. They're like, but we can save it. So they saved it <laughs> and they poured the new footing two and a half feet over. He's like, now there's this weird gap on the backside of this wall, that's stone from like halfway up to the top. He's like, can we just put siding on that? And I'm like, no, stone? it's not going to look right at all, but you know, yeah. we can, we can try it. So uh, I actually can't do my final measurements because he's changed his ideas like three times already. Oh boy. I can't do my oh, final no. measurements until the concrete pad has dried. So I am waiting for that. It should be done by this weekend to where I can start getting everything, but I have all the materials. I have everything ready to go. I just need to like get after it. So gotcha. uh, that's my next project. And then from there, um, yeah, I got a, got a couple things I need to work on those doors being one of them from yeah. eight, eight episodes ago. I literally talked about this to my wife on the wired home today. I said, I wonder what you doing with them doors. Uh, so, well, basically what's going on is I have, uh, a, not this coming weekend, but next weekend, a Chicago land makers meetup. And there's a couple people coming who have larger CNC machines. And I'm going to talk to them about what their costs are. If I make the doors out of MDF, they carve the design that she's looking for. And then I just go install them. So I'm just waiting for pricing on those. And I just wanted to do it in person. So that's where you could I'm at. Buy, yeah, you could glue two pieces of three quarter together. That's what I'm doing. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, but if they cut it on a CNC, then everything will be perfect, and I just have to go install yes, it. it. Will so? Yes, it will. So yeah, but that's she's where we're pay at. For that. She she's is. Pay for that. Yeah, I'm yes. not doing it for free. So, um, yeah. yeah. So that's where things are at uh, on my end. But uh, awesome. 
Hey, I got that ePay you sent too. Yeah, did you cut it? It, it? It's incredible holding it. It feels like a brick. It does. It feels like a brick. Like it feels I, you like could, a brick. That could be a weapon, man. I'd like to make a like a mallet out of it. Oh, I guess you said it warps. No, the the ePay like does it, not warp. Nope, it does not warp. It was the purple not, heart oh, that warps from time to time. Purple heart warps. Okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about someone put ePay on a floor, use it for flooring, and no, they use it for moisture. for decking. If so, if it, if it dries out too much, it can. If you put like an oil in there, it's going to be fine. But like okay. if if you just like if you put Ipe that's meant to be in a rainforest in like Arizona, it's going to dry out. You got to re-oil that like quarterly. I got gotcha. you. So yeah, I think Houston would love that. Yeah, uh, it'd be great. Did you cut so, it? Yeah, we, we, yeah, so we we did cut it. It smelled like a uh, kind of like a locker room a little bit. <laughs> Told you, but. I, I I got a vi- video idea. I don't know if I want to spoil it on here. Okay, yeah, don't, okay, don't spoil I'll, it. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be pretty funny. Nice, so. nice. Well, I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Uh, but I actually that brings us to uh, I don't know if it's a new segment or just something we've been talking about, but we asked some of our listeners to reach out with some questions, and I yes. took down those questions. So, are you guys ready? Yeah. Let it roll. I feel like there's a... Questions from the audience. (laughs) Okay. All right. Life on Zeist uh, wrote out and he said, uh, what is the one project you've always wanted to go back to and redo? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, easy for me. That that big conference room table I did with the, uh, the Sunken Cypress. Okay. And yeah, if I went back... Well, first of all, I, I made some mistakes along the way. Was able to correct them, but biggest thing I would do is get a good domino joiner and a better table or better. Uh, what do you call it? The sliding saw. Uh, it's like a circle saw on track saw. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd go get the uh, probably the Festool track saw and the domino joiner for that. Make it a little more solid. Okay. Very nice. How about you, Jess? And I'm thinking there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're first starting out mm-hmm. and you love it and it's just like, you've got all this zeal and, and, and you don't have tools. You don't even know what tool you need. Correct. You're just trying to make do with what, I mean, that, that's kind of part of being a woodworker, knowing what tools are out there. Right. And how do yeah. you set tools? Yeah. Uh, and, um, I don't know. One of the biggest I tell you which one, and this is this is sad. This is sad. If I could go back and redo a project over, it would have been those hanging cabinets at that restaurant, because I struggled with it and struggled with it. And we redid things because they didn't like the way that I hang it, and they didn't like this, and they didn't like that. I would have done it completely different, and I also have charged them more because it wound up taking <laughs> us a long time. But yeah. it really would have felt better about it now i would have made them different sizes because the shelves were too wide like there's just all these things you know you're not thinking I, and and i tried i tried it but i also hadn't done woodworking in a little bit so like i was a little off my game when i did it and i would have done a million things different i would have i would have used that dragon ply i would have used uh, a different hanging system i would have hung them from a different way uh, installing it was different. I would have had a different laser when we shot all the 
the thread because we mm-hmm. had uh, we had um, all thread that hung it from Unistrut from the ceiling, which is eventually what we did. I would have done a lot of it different. Okay. So that would be the one project that I would redo. Actually, I take that back. I would go back and say I don't want to do it. That's probably what I would say. <laughs> I would have built something else. So I also have a few projects that I can think of um, for different, similar reasons. There are ones that like, if I could, I would go back and not do them. Uh, but for a project, I it, it got the best of me too many times. There was a live oak or live edge walnut, black walnut bar top that I had done that uh, I had done epoxy on the top of it. And I actually had to go back four separate times to try and redo the epoxy because my, my mixtures were off and it was just a little spongy on one side. It never really cured the right way. And oh, I tried, no. I tried adding more to it uh. and I eventually had to go back and strip off all the epoxy and take everything down to bare wood so that somebody else could come in and do the epoxy. And I, I mm. lost thousands of dollars time-wise and, that was, I was, I had been working with an interior designer where like two or three projects in a row ran into just massive roadblocks after like 10 projects in a row that have been perfect. And then after those three, I've never gotten a call from that designer again. And it sucks, but it is what it is. So that would be the one for me that I would go back to. And actually, on that note, I had a new guy start one time and we had made a reclaimed bar top. It was 64 by 64. So that was a big glue up. Yeah. Right? It was uh, two inches thick and uh, it was out of old oak beams. And I think one of the guys, I said, you, he talked about how he had poured epoxy tops or whatever in bars and restaurants. Yeah. So I had to go and do a quote and I said, just fill the little nail holes. We had taped the bottom up, fill the little nail holes with epoxy and he said no problem so i came back that weekend and looked at it that was on a friday i went like sunday i had to get something and it was still wet Mm -hmm. and i said what is this and he had taken the epoxy put them in a water bottle and shook it that's how he decided that he was going to mix the epoxy (laughs) and put it all over well guess what I never got all that epoxy out of there. I tried putting hardener in it. I tried this. I tried that. I did the same thing you did. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? We're just going to put a full epoxy over it. I ground it all the way down to wood. I put more epoxy. It still bled through mm-hmm. the places in the sun in her kitchen. I had to take it. It was on like the eighth floor, brought it back. Same thing. And eventually the way that I fixed it is it had 10 coats of polyurethane on it. And it finally sealed it in. <laughs> By that time, you couldn't even see the grain. Yeah. But- but uh, we did finally get through it. So, yeah, that's a nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah, not fun. So that would be the one I would I would go back and try and redo because I know I can do it better. Um, question number two. Chris from Cowdog Craftworks, uh, who was actually, I don't know if you gentlemen remember, he was the, run, the one running the timber frame setup uh, at uh, WorkbenchCon. Uh, when we asked what we should talk about, he said, your mom. So, okay. um, thank you, Chris. Very helpful. Uh, Zach and Steph from Wolfpack Woodworking asked, if you could only work with one species of wood for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Uh, American black I, walnut. I, I don't know. I, I think 
I really love the walnut that I've been working with, but I haven't worked with every wood. That, as far as whatever wood I've ever worked with, I would say probably um, it would either be white oak or walnut. They just behave. They just behave the way that I want them to behave. But I haven't worked with everything. I hate maple. Hate <laughs> maple. So you hate I maple. Hate hate. Hate with capital H A T E hate maple. It just, Man, it's I, I really like disobedient. making like tools like in in for example like uh, my my tie downs. I'm using like for the T track to hold down stuff on the CNC. Yeah. Like uh, I'll make those out of maple, and they sure they're really strong. Try to cut an inch and a half by three quarter stretcher out of maple, yeah, hard maple, and see what it does. It doesn't. It just turns into a, a make a bow out of it. It is the I just don't like maple. I, Man, I like just, it for I, I learned like some, that. I learned something from you last time on the. Uh, you're talking about it's it. So it burns really easy on the table saw, right? I always thought that on, was just on it anything. Was, on anything, it was, yeah. I, yeah, I always thought that was because it's really hard, right? No, that's sugar. When you're saying it was the, the sugar, sugar that was burning, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That, Walnut does that was it a too. good nugget for me. Not bad. What about you? Colton, what, 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 you said black walnut for you? Oh, yeah, black walnut. So this is one that most people don't get to work with a ton because it's not as readily available as it used to be. But American elm, I've only done a few pieces out of elm. It's got the hardness. It feels like almost like uh, uh, white oak. But when you're working with it, it's it's as easy to work with as black walnut. And when it's just freshly cut or sanded, it's kind of a meh kind of look. But as soon as you throw some finish on it, it just explodes with character. So for me, it's one of those like, wait for it, wait for it. Ah, there it is. Like moments. Every time I build with Elm, it's it's not brutal on my tools. It stands up to any beating you can give it. I I love working with Elm. So Very man, I, I, I've never worked with them. I mean, I, I, I need to see if Mason has it. Just to I was just wondering, have you ever? It. Has anybody ever worked with juniper? No, no. it doesn't so grow that, very big as far as the width of it. Juniper no. is because it, it's a bush, so I mean, Basically. you get like six to eight inches across is like right. the largest they get, right? And right. that's like a forty-year-old bush. Smells a lot like a, a cedar, is what they say. So that book I'm reading about that guy that built the hundred thousand dollar canoe. Yeah. Uh, he he built it out of juniper. Hmm. Out of juniper. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the final question actually comes from uh, Colton's lovely wife, Crystal. She said, um, <laughs> "What did she say? <laughs> what do you do when your mahuhu doesn't finish like expected?" <laughs> sand it down and do it again mm-hmm. yeah you pull out a hand tool put, put uh-huh. more yes uh-huh. put more put more old, oil on it put yeah. more oil on it yeah can never have too much oil on a mahuhu so gotcha That's i think right. i i mean obviously you know clean up start over uh whatever <laughs> you need to do so yeah i think that's uh that was a great first round of questions. So thank you to the audience Very members good. who sent some in. And uh, if anybody has any questions they want to throw at us, we are happy to answer those on the podcast here. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and send them to DM on Instagram or the email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. DM on Instagram is probably easiest. Correct. 
But. Correct. So any of the questions you guys have, shoot us either at the uh, Beat Around the Bench um, Instagram handle or any of our personal Instagrams. Uh, shoot us a message. We would love to ask some questions. So uh, with that in mind, I think that brings us to a good point to talk to Mr. Jester Caputer over here about the wow, wow. The word of the week. week. So I personally think this is ugly as sin. It's not mango wood. Uh, But as far as my research can tell, it's probably one of the most expensive woods there are. And it's also one of the hardest woods there are. Ron Jeremy? Uh, And we've probably... I think most people have probably seen it. Ron Um, Jeremy? And it's called... Snake wood. And if you ever saw it, it looks just like snake skin. It it what, it what? is what? It's called snake wood. Yeah, I, I got that part, but like very red with like black, almost like leopard or snake type uh figure where, to it. Where does it hail from? It hails from the Amazon, so I would say it says snakewood occurs central and tropical South America from the Amazon region of Brazil through Guyana, Venezuela, Colombia, Panama, southern Mexico, and the West Indies. Hmm. Um, so it, for instance, I'm looking at this board you can buy, right? And they call it museum-grade snakewood lumber. It is 20 and 15 sixteenths long. Two and seven sixteenths wide, and it's three eighths of an inch thick. It's five hundred and four dollars. Whoa! For this one little tiny piece of wood, three eighths thick. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. So mostly, so by the way, the Jinka harness where we talked about your Ipe the other day being like yeah. thirty two hundred. This is three thousand something, just over three thousand. So it's Damn. very very hard. Um, and did we talk about what Jacob hardness is? We did. Okay. I don't know if I was telling somebody else about that. Okay. So that's about where they push the little ball into it. So to me, it looks like it belongs in Las Vegas, like big time. It is like so over the top, but it's kind of like New Jersey. Be- correct. It is, or, or Long Island. Um, Long Island. It, it is great people make things out of it like an umbrella handle right uh there are some sculptures and stuff of it i can't imagine what they're worth um but one of the biggest things that it's still used for is uh violin uh bows Hmm. they still make really high-end violin blows bows out of snakewood they also make archery bows out of it uh some some people do so I guess in that area, they still, the native area, they make archery bows out of snake wood. I would assume it's not nearly as expensive. It's incredibly bad on your tools. It's very hard to work with. It doesn't glue up well. Um, It tends to check and crack on the top after they dry it. It Hmm. has checking and it splinters very easily. But if you can work with it, you can polish it without anything to a really high sheen because it's just so hard. Hmm. It's incredibly, incredibly hard. So look up Snakewood if anybody gets a chance. It's here. I'll show you guys a picture of it. Hang on. I think it's show on the podcast. Oh, that's crazy. It, it, it actually looks, does look like a snake. Like it a looks just snake like a snake. Yeah. 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 
Interessante. For those of you who are just listening on the podcast, it does definitely take on, it's not as uniform as you'd find on a snake's back, but it definitely has kind of like tiger striping and or snake scale. Almost like a a leopard kind of. Right. And and that's only in the heartwood. In the sapwoods, it's it's pretty bland. So kind of just like zebra wood, right? So Mm. it, it has to be cut a certain way to get that. But things like little bowls and and like um, I would imagine for like knife handles would be good. Instrument anything with instruments, mm. fretboards, guitars, violins, things like that that people use it um, for it. So anyway, that'd be we great for drumsticks. It says drumsticks. Yeah. That's funny that you say that. It says ternary, walking sticks, drumsticks, fishing rod butts, fancy handles for cutlery, umbrellas, trinkets. Brushbacks. I just think of like if it's that hard of a wood making drumsticks out of it. Cause I every time I sit down to play, I go through at least a pair of drumsticks. And they're usually made use? out of hickory. Um, use hickory. Yeah, hickory. Um, but yeah, it's either maple or hickory, depending on what brand I'm buying. But I usually go through I, about a pair every time I'm playing. Have you ever used um the Japanese oak? I always like those ones. Uh I have not. They're hard to find. But the Japanese oak, uh, I always Japanese oak seven. I was trying to remember what the number is now, seven seven two seven or seven four seven a. Anyway, with nylon tips, mm. Japanese oak. I love those. Hmm. Is uh, is synthetic drumsticks just not a thing? Uh, it is. Do the it, same. It is. Metallica they guy are, plays with them. Yeah the the one brand that most people know is called Ahead, and they are. Um, I don't know if they're aluminum. I think they're titanium. Um, but they're metal drumsticks with nylon tips and they're and very fiber ones too. Yeah. They're very heavy in comparison with the wood ones. And it doesn't you, feel the same. The other thing is if you're ever playing a concert outside and it's a little colder, when you hit the snare drum and all the, the tent, the, the reverberation goes back through your hand as opposed to getting oh. soaked up by the wood, like it hurts real bad. So yeah. it's it's not as good as as one would think. It's for a really hard hitter, like like well, like Lars, right? No, he's not a hard hitter. He's well, you, he he's he not. looks like he is. <laughs> he's a good drummer. Yeah. Don't come on. He's a pretty good drummer. That's a different different day. <sighs> oh man! So well, whatever the case, he's sponsored by him either way, right? Yes. So that's why he plays with him. Yes, he is. Um, so. Anyway, so is there a, a weird wood fact you have to go so along with I this? Thought, I thought we would switch it up okay. and and do what it will still be a fact, right? But I'm going to form it in the in the way of a question. And you have to say, what is like Jeopardy? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, so here it is. I'll take weird wood facts for a hundred, Jess. This wood is very aromatic. It's recorded in the Bible that King Solomon called for this lumber when constructing the temple in Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, and I'll give you a hint. It is a softwood. What is cypress? Incorrect. <laughs> Let's see what he bet. All of it. Oh, I'm sorry. You're out for this week. All right. What do you got? Oh. Colon. Hmm. What is cherry? That's, eh, not, that's not a softwood. 
It's not well, technically a softwood, but it's soft. Softwood. No, no, it's not softwood. It is. It is a softwood in, in every way. It is the cedar of Lebanon, which you can still get. It's I guess the cedar trees in Lebanon are different, but yeah. I wasn't too far one? off with. Uh, yeah, we'll do one more. That was kind of fun. All right. Two hundred, Jess. <laughs> this wood is famous for its use in Hawaiian ukuleles. Ooh, uh, uh, Ross. What is mahogany. What is koa wood? Uh, I'm looking at the answer. What would you say it was? Koa. Koa. K O A. And what is your answer? Uh, oh, I, I said mahogany. What is mahogany? It is koa. That is correct. Oh, very nice. And back on the board, mm-hmm. Mr. Graham. Yeah, that's right. All right. Can we do one more? You I think that little. More? I think the little one I have is like a little thin, like some sort of mahogany, like a lighter mahogany. Hmm. Uh, I, saw it, it's not very nice, I saw a it's drum not very set nice, that DW made out of koa veneer, and then they they did it from clear to green to black. And whoever did the airbrush on it, it was the most perfect fade I've ever seen. And that had to be like a thirteen thousand dollar drum set. No, you know what? It was only. It was six thousand dollars for a three or four piece. Okay. Uh, it wasn't too bad, but it was. I mean, they have a guy there that does that. That's all he does. Yeah. Just one guy, and he does the fades and all the special edition ones. Oh, that's unbelievable! Awesome. <laughs> all right, I got one more. I got one more. Okay. Uh, three hundred, Jess. Up toward the end of the twentieth century, this wood was commonly used in golf club heads. Oh, uh, what is ash? And what's your answer, uh, Colton? <laughs> I don't know. What is maple? And the correct answer, you'd think it would be maple, wouldn't you? Uh, I'm just making sure I got the answer correct. It is persimmon. Ah, persimmon. yes. Everyone's persimmon. favorite persimmon wood. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's so much to know. I had like never heard of anything like made out of persimmon. Persimmon's a fruit, isn't it? Uh, I I feel like I met yeah. somebody named Persimmon when I lived in Persim- New York. Persimmons, persimmons of fruit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I didn't know that either. It's kind of like the juniper, right? Sure. So, okay, it's a fruit. It's a That's fruit. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we? Uh, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, and I believe Colton. That brings us to discussing a little bit of whiskey. Whoa. So last week we had you jumping across the Pacifico uh, over to Japan to try a little Hibiki. Mm-hmm. Were you able yeah. to procure any Hibiki? So I could not find Hibiki anywhere near me. I called like five liquor stores and um, I eventually found Toki. Okay. So it's from the Suntory, the same distillery, correct? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I found Toki and it's good. It had a lot of the same notes that you're talking about. Um, it definitely... It, to me, it tastes like a scotch, right? Yes. Now, and, um, th- that that rings true because it all does fall off the scotch whiskey tree as yeah. far as genetics and, and how it's made. Yeah, but it, it was a good, it, real light in color. Um, it, it, what you weren't saying floral, right? You were saying you can taste like the notes of like, like flower or not? Yeah. Yeah. Floral, floral tones like white flower <laughs> tones in Hibiki okay, so for it was, sure. But yeah, it, it did taste like a big meadow. Right. Yeah. And so it like to personify it, I guess it's like running through a meadow, except you're not a human. You're, you're a little Yorkie 
like like little diesel, which I don't know if you can hear <laughs> barking in the back of this. And the grass is kind of tall, right? So it is all like the nice notes and everything, but the the grass it's rubbing your uh, your stomach and your mahuhu as well <laughs> as you run through it, <laughs> gently brushing you, <laughs> and um, just a nice feeling. So I, I, I try to mix it up on the cocktail side too, and. I am not going to lie. I messed it up bad. Like, yeah. um, you use potpourri. I'll explain it. Yeah. Well, so we ended up trying to do it like a, an old fashioned kind of with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got like some real nice, like Egbert cherries. I was going to do it with. And, um, we tried a few different ways. It's too heavy of a cocktail for that. Yeah, which because before that, like talking to my buddy, he was saying like do like the the highball, yeah, right. But it, it's basically just like soda water and maybe something else with it. Yeah, depends. Basically. Yeah, and I was like, that's not that in- interesting. And so, uh, yeah, I went with a bad choice on the cocktail, but I couldn't get it right, man. With it, it really it's it's a sipping whiskey. Yes, and I, I'm sure someone else could make a better cocktail with it, but I. I, I made it just bearable. Okay. Yeah. With that. Okay. So, which uh, I, I wanted to get him over here and maybe next time we have a whiskey that is good for an old fashioned, I want to build a little smoker thing for it. You know, it's like the, I uh, talked to y'all yeah. earlier in the week about what wood to use. And, um, and y'all said, make the top out of maple, make the mm-hmm. contraption out of maple and then smoke maple in it as well. Yep. Maple shavings. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just like take some shavings with the chisel and yep. do that. And yeah, I, I have a little wire mesh thing. I was going to staple the bottom of it, but yeah, I like to do that. Maybe make a video of it, but my buddy, he seems a little gun shy on the, well, <laughs> getting on, but um, I, I haven't given up on him. Well, I, good I'm news. Gonna... You're going to have a chance this week because the whiskey of the week for this week is Jameson Black Barrel and oh. uh, going over to some Irish whiskey again. Um, the reason I'm having you try this one is it's, uh, I'm sure at some point, Colton, you have had some standard Jameson in your life and Mm -hmm. standard Jameson to me is fairly abrasive. Um, especially for shooting, it's, it's a little rougher, uh, on the interiors. And so it, it's not one that I, I truly enjoy, but once you get to the black level and beyond or black barrel and beyond, in the Jameson family, there's some unbelievable whiskey. So this first one, the Black Barrel, they basically have your standard Jameson whiskey that they do an extra layer of uh, charring into the interior of the barrel. And when you char the interior of a barrel, uh, it does two things. Number one, it brings the natural sugars in the wood in that barrel closer to the center uh, because it opens up the pores uh, of the, the oak. So the oak has pores the same way our skin does and breathes the same way our skin does. So the, the heating up of the barrel, uh, with the flames brings those sugars closer to the center. So that as the whiskey is breathing in and out of those pores over time, um, it gets in contact with more of the natural sugars. Number two, uh, similar to the Soshigiban method, um, that level of charring actually acts as a carbon filter. So it, it filters out the harsher elements of the alcohol. So what you're getting out of the higher charring level, which is a charring level four on this, uh, out of four, um, it, it tends to have a little bit more depth and, and complexity to it. It's got a richer tone, but a much smoother whiskey 
because that extra level of charring filters out some more of the harsh elements of the alcohol. So this one will be really good to do your maple uh, old-fashioned smoker with if you care to try that. Uh, If nothing else, it should be like a $30 to $35 bottle. Uh, And for what it is, it can be a great sipping whiskey, but it's great for cocktails. And it stands up to quite a few different cocktails. So it should be a little bit easier to mix. Yeah, we'll try to do a old fashioned Irish, Irish yeah. old fashioned. There you go, somewhere on that. Yeah, yeah. So that would be the whiskey of the week. Oh, that's good. Oh, also, so for for bitters, like I have like some orange bitters, you know, like the standard bottle with the paper on it. Yep, Angostura. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Um, would Would you recommend using those with that with the cocktail? That uh, it still. Still the nicer cherries, but... So I would stick to either the standard Angostura or the orange Angostura. If you have Peychaud's bitters, which is actually coming out of New Orleans, those are made more for your Sazeracs. If you wanted to try and make a Sazerac with the Jameson Black Barrel, you could. But you have to like black licorice as a flavor profile. If you don't, mm. you're not going to like that cocktail. If you do, it is unbelievable. I'd like to try that. Yeah, Um I bet if I get my, my cocktail buddy over, he'd probably help me. Yeah, just that. tell him you want to make a Sazerac with it. Sazerac. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Well, can, you, can you still smoke a Sazerac? Uh, you can. You'd have to smoke the glass. Uh, the hard part is with a Sazerac, you actually, you're supposed to either spritz or do a rinse of absinthe on the interior of the glass. And you make mm. the cocktail separately. And when you pour it into the glass... Then you get the mixture of the absinthe, which is that black licorice flavor, mixing with the uh, fruity floral notes, mostly citrus fruit, uh, in the cocktail. So it's an interesting mixture. What you may want to do is the orange um, peel that's typically put in as a zest. You could actually, a lot of people uh, almost like turn it inside out and then they squeeze it and you get the zest of the orange in there. You could light mm-hmm. that on fire and kind of spritz the orange and throw that in the cocktail. Um, that'll give you a different flair to it as well. We are Man, getting fancy. That looks. That sounds cool. This is well above the uh, the standard Concord Dandy uh, pay grade here. <laughs> but you know what? I'm down for it. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah, they're delicious. So yeah, all right. Yeah, me and. Uh, Crystal's mom and I, or well, I, I helped her on just like the wood parts of it, but she made this like bar cart out of an old like tool cart. Oh, nice. And, uh, and then on the top, we did like these nice, uh, two panels with black walnut and like gold handles on it and yeah. the whole thing's black and gold. And, uh, we got to fill the bar cart up with, uh, a bunch of the fixings and things. I got like a shaker and stuff in it right now, but yeah, I, I need to get, I need to expand on our bitters and things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's key excellent so you guys have any more nuggets yeah let's throw a nugget out there i mean jess you've you've thrown out like five or six in this episode i just thought of one i just thought of one while we were while you guys were talking and it has been one of those ones that i have looked online for for like months to see if somebody else, like I've read it feeds, you name it. I have, I have read it and I couldn't find it. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try some things. So <clears throat> I watched the wood whisperer use a Rubio and he likes to do the Rubio. And then the next day use the Rubio maintenance oil. 
over it and it gives you just a little more sheen, mm -hmm. just a little bit more on it, right? Yeah. So, and of course, you know, who knows what's in Rubio maintenance oil. So <clears throat> I thought, but the maintenance oil is very expensive. Rubio is already expensive as it is. Mm -hmm. What, is there anything else that I could possibly use that would just give me just a little more sheen so it's not quite so dull um, when I'm done with the Rubio? And so I went to the store and I bought all kind of different stuff. And I am pleased to tell you that I found two things that you can use over Rubio Monocoat mono after it is dried, at least, at least a day or two. I would give it two, but at least a day or two. And you can pop the sheen a little bit, um, and it's inexpensive. Okay. N number one, uh, I know you guys have ever heard of Watco. Yeah. They make all kinds of different I stuff. I use their they, lacquer today. They make a rejuvenating oil. Hmm. And it is not as shiny, but it is. it works the same, and it's for all oil finishes, you just, you need to let it sit. It has to dry for, you know, about eight hours before you can really use the piece of furniture again. So if it's just a little dull, um, you can use that. Now, I don't know about the longevity of it based on what the maintenance oil is with Rubio. So I, yeah. I won't, I won't guess, but uh, it's very inexpensive. But the best thing that I found was, and it's interesting because we had um, Ninja Rhino on. And she talked about her little carnuba beeswax and mineral oil mix. Yes. Well, they sell um, a product at a lot of different stores, and you can buy it online called Feed and Wax. Okay. Which is basically the same thing, and it kind of comes out like hair gel. It's kind of like thick, right? Yeah. And I put that on. You let it sit for 10 minutes, you put it on real thick, just wipe it all over everything and then let it sit for about 10 minutes. Let it soak in what it wants to soak in and then just wipe it off with a rag. And it is the most perfect. It's not shiny, but it's not flat. It's not egg. It's just a touch of bug veg shell. If I was going to call it something. Okay. And it is beautiful. Okay. Uh, and you can actually put the fiend wax over anything. Okay. Uh, over dry wood if you wanted to, but. Uh, it's mainly made to restore finishes huh. uh, from what I've read. Is that almost um, like the Amish oils that are out there? I don't know, but I will tell you this. It is not um, edible. So don't use it on a cutting board. Oh. They put something in it to harden it. Okay. So, uh, uh, But the feed and wax is like my new go-to. I had I had Nash and Cheese wipe all the tables that we'd already done down with them. Mm -hmm. And you just got to kind of watch it and then like let it set and then just buff it off with a... Uh, we've actually been using those heavy-duty shop towels that come in a box. Yeah. The white box, you know, yeah. talking, toolbox or whatever. Because yeah. they're not leaving any lint and my rags seem to want to leave lint on everything. And it buffs out and it is perfect. And if you really wanted to, you can let it dry more and buff it even more if you want it even shinier. But I'm, I, I, they're just exactly how I want them. Yeah. So if anybody wants to top coat Rubio, try the Feed and Wax, try the Watco um, Rejuvenating Oil, and they both add a little bit of shine to it and, and protect it a little bit more. So. Hmm. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, uh, my nugget for this week would actually be kind of a, a word to the wise. In that whenever you go to install a product or uh, something that you've made, 
or anytime you're going to a customer's, if you're delivering something, uh, or if you're just going to do a, a, a walkthrough somewhere, have a bag that you take with you that has kind of like a go bag, if you will. Every time you go out, you have a bag of some just standard tools that you're going to need all the time. Tape measure, pencils, uh, a square, um, some drill bits, um, all kinds of little things. Keep a chisel in there. Keep a few other things in there. And the reason I say that is I went to deliver that Wenge um, or to go install the Wenge piece. And initially I went to deliver it and it was actually about half an inch to a full inch too wide for the entire sewing machine. So then I actually had to take it back to my shop, cut it down by an inch and a half, recut all the joinery, and then put it all back together. Luckily, I was too lazy to take down my stuff from the table saw beforehand, so everything was still totally set up and ready to go. So it was really easy. But when I went to go install everything, on the back of the sewing machine, uh, because I had done a small cutout for where the cables could come through for a lamp, off the back of the sewing machine so that you could feed the cables down so you wouldn't see them. But when I did that, the back of the sewing machine that was there beforehand, what I was trying to cover up was visible and that was all white. And they didn't like seeing the white underneath uh, the Wenge. They're like, can you just stain that or paint that or do something so that it, you know, we don't see it. I was like, not a problem. And I was going to use a Forzner bit to cut out that hole. And when I went to go do it, I realized there was still a, a huge piece of metal from the sewing machine right in that cutout that I had to be there. Mm. And had I used the Forstner bit, all of a sudden I would have had a massive issue and ruined the bit and probably ruined the sewing machine. Big issue. But I had my go bag and I always keep a super sharp chisel in there. And I was able to literally come through and chisel out the small area that I needed to. It took me about a minute and a half, got everything done. It looked unbelievably professional the customer never knew the difference on anything. Um, and all I just had to do was vacuum up the sawdust that I made. So always come prepared, have a go bag that's going to have the standard tools you think you might need and always be ready to adapt to whatever the situation is. Adapt, yeah. improvise, overcome. Yeah. Yeah. I've all, yeah. I've got a little go like tool bag. That's just got screwdrivers and a square and yeah. a tape measure. Absolutely. And I, and a, and a pencil. And yep. All that. Notepad yep. and yep. all that kind of stuff. So how about you, you don't have chisels though? I want to get, I'm going to do that. Very nice. So, um, in my shop, so I do have a, that window unit in the shop, but yeah. it, it doesn't, I, mm, I need to insulate the shop better. Uh, it basically gets about 10 degrees Delta on the, uh, temperature in there versus the ambient, whatever. And so it, sometimes during the day it gets up to like 91. Right. But, um, usually like in the high eighties, which is too hot to really pour resin to mm-hmm. pour much of a thick resin. Right. And so originally I was just pouring at night, right. Like I'm doing like a half inch pour on these boards, but I found out that well, I, before I wasn't doing it in two pours. Yeah. Right. Uh, so because I thought it would take more time and it, I'd rather just do it all at one, one go, yeah. but I started doing it in two pours and uh, coloring them the same, like, uh, like the base layer and then the next layer. Um, I, I can pour the next layer at like after like two hours with this tabletop epoxy, but it, uh, it actually mixes up so much faster 
Like I can be completely done with like the first layer pour, like within 30 minutes, like 20, 25 minutes. Whereas before when I'm doing like a full gallon at the same time, or like 120 ounces, it, it just stirring it alone would take about 15 minutes. Whew. And yeah. And then you're yeah, even in like perfect uh, ambient temperature, you're still fighting the it going exo a little bit. Hot, 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 so hot, yeah, hot. I, I'm gonna <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm gonna be double pouring from now on, and um, at least for now. And does that and fight I, the I, I temperature variance? The external temperature what? variance does that fight it by doing the double pour? Yeah, yeah. It's just um, yeah. When you're pouring that thin, it 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 has to be a lot hotter to really mess it up. Cool. And because um, even pouring like that full half inch, the epoxy, it's really it, it it says it's good for like three eighths, maybe. But uh, I always push it a little bit. And um, but if it was hotter, like it kind of would like curl in on the sides yeah. of like a, a longer thing, kind of like go slightly exo like that. But with this double pour, it's perfect. And um, it can be pretty hot in there and still withstand it. Cool. Awesome. That's a good nugget. Yeah. Well, boys, we're uh, coming up on an hour and 45 here. So I think it's a good time for us to nip this one in the bud. Um, that is our best one yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to add in? Or we just. No, just keep the questions coming. Beat yeah. it on the bench at Gmail or any of our social media. Yep. Oh, yeah. That questions are fun. That's my favorite. Yeah. Keep those coming in. So. All right. With that in mind, thank you very much for tuning in this week. We hope you've enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our legal representation at Ocean Gate Law Offices of Bubble Bubble, We're in Trouble, and Associates. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.